going on gamers this is pepper gamers. I'm here. sure let's go with that today or should we say service workers lumpen proletariat what's up lumpen proletariat what are lumping what? service workers and the proletariat <laughs> together or are you asserting that the proletariat are lumpy no, this is like, <laughs> that's like a Marxian term. What's up, baristas and <laughs> other people who have been... Fe- All right, there is going to be a point to this, the, the way that I'm introing this. We're going to be, <laughs> in just a moment here, going into... So you know how there's, like, there'll be what's discourse. The discourse you see on your general Twitter. And I'm used to, like, liberal discourse, which usually it's like, should we murder people? And people are like, no! And it's like, wow, what, what freaking discourse... But, I'm seeing Marxist discourse, meaning Marxists who disagree with each other, and I'm seeing arguments where I'm like, man, you know, that they have some points. And I look at the other side, and I'm like, you know, they have some points, too. And it's a very different and refreshing situation to be in uh, compared to the internet of the last few years for me. It is, it is what we are sold in school when uh, you are exchanging ideas that don't immediately fall into line with one another. At least that's what was sold to me in school. It never happened, but that's what they said happened. We're trying to have constructive conversations, people. But hey, who are you and what are we doing right now? (laughs) Hi, I'm I'm Dragor, and at this point I've basically been saying it for a little while now. I have purposefully not been saying I'm a communist, and I've given up. I'm tired. Sure. Communist, socialist, I, I do pick my audience or i try to read the room for which one i'm gonna say because i don't want to court too much bullshit in one go but i say socialist to anybody who i don't already know their position yes yes like yes hello i'm a socialist socialist or (laughs) if i've heard them say a bunch of more informed things i'm more likely to take a chance but if i if i don't know socialist or democratic socialist you know i will not say i'm a democratic socialist (laughs) Well, there's what the layperson hears as democratic socialist, which the layperson, in my experience, thinks that tends to mean direct democracy. And then there's what it actually means, which isn't that. Which is arguably what we have in most of the Western world, especially in Europe. Yes, but in the context... We just have the worst version of it. (laughs) Right. In the context of the American political landscape... You have an entire populace that's going, oh, yeah, we want more Bernie democratic socialism, and that would improve things even if it doesn't get what you and I want in full anyway. What they mean is they like left populism. Like, the things yes. people like about Bernie Sanders is that he's out there like, let's actually get some shit done. And people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe <laughs> <laughs> Someone mentioned my bills and not just like, we all need to adjust how we feel about our economy, <laughs> which is what the Democrats seem to come out with every year. Yeah. Uh, who are you? I am Pepper Coyote. I am here to tell you about a thing we're going to be doing August 6th. There's a thing called the CPI, the Center for Political Innovation. They are having, I I can't even call it a rally. It's to be completely clear about what the thing is. You're going to go to a room in the Hyatt Regency Deerfield, which is in Illinois, pretty close to Chicago. It's like a suburb of Chicago. A northwest suburb that is very affluent. The Hyatt Regency Deerfield, you're going to go into a room and listen to some speeches. 
and you will applaud or not, or you can take notes. This is not like a party. <laughs> this is not, uh, well, at least not a party in the celebration sense. It may lead to a political party, but, <laughs> but uh, we're going to be listening to some speakers. They have, oh, I'm going to mess up this last name. Dan, he's either Kovalik or Kovalik. We got Tara Reed, who I'm super excited to hear speak. Uh, Garland Nixon and Peter Coffin so far have been announced as speakers. Uh, Caleb Maupin is almost, I mean, it'd be super weird if he wasn't there. He the, runs the CPI. We're going to be listening to some Marxist-Leninists give anti-imperialist talks. The event is called Unite Against the Imperialist, and it's singular because it's like, that's on purpose, uh, <laughs> which is fun. And it starts at 1 p.m. on August 6th. Yes. Unite Against the Imperialist, Hyatt Regency Deerfield in Illinois. You can find the full address online, and we will absolutely be there. Yeah, uh, There isn't like a dress there. code or anything. But make sure do not show up in fursuit or you just won't be allowed in. Like <laughs> no, I'm gonna be in my jumpsuit bullshit as usual, and I will probably not be the most interestingly dressed person there. I'm probably gonna do like I don't know if I'm gonna do khakis, t shirt, suit jacket, or if I'm gonna no, I say suit jacket, it's like it, it's corduroy and green, but <laughs> you sure. know, it's a suit jacket technically. Or am I gonna do jeans? Converse suit. I have to have either a or a, a polo. I don't know. I want to look like ten percent more serious than I usually do, and not even because like oh we have to conform to the, when normal ass people see the meetings and they see a bunch of people in suits, they're gonna take it more seriously than if they don't, and that's kind of on them. It's not like on us, but you know, but we're trying to freaking reach people. <laughs> trying to reach people, and you can't ignore the fact that. Media will be spread about what we do, whether we like it or not, and we can have some agency in some of it. Because you know they're not going to play the audio. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll, they'll play carefully Parts. constructed edits. They'll be like, communism cut. <laughs> it's like, yep, see, look. <laughs> no, they're going to they're gonna anyway. take they're gonna take communism cut, and then they're going to edit imperialism is bad, and they're going to give us, look, even the CPI, communism is bad. <laughs> We don't need deep fakes for what they're about to do to us. We got a couple of topics we're going to be going through today. Do you want to start with my... I only have the one. I have one really big thing I want to talk about. Or do you want to start with you and make a sandwich out of We started with a little bit of a tease and what I assume is actually going to be the opener. So let's uh, go into it. Okay. This is gonna, I'm going to try to take this step by step because there's a little bit of scaffolding needed because I've just been creating this... I've scaffolded myself uh, to this point in the last week or so, and I'm going to do my best to, I don't know, explain it. Also, real, like, I am not... I, I put this disclaimer at the beginning of every episode, but when you hear me talking about theory, realize that this is kind of like a co-learning... I'm learning Marxism in the same way that a lot of people learned, like, video editing through, like, Googling a series of things and then <laughs> doing it wrong for a while and going, oh, shit, I should be doing it like this. Then you change that, and then you move... Like, this is a constant, evolving process. Please do not take either of us as, like, professors. We're kind of figuring this out with you, and this is going to be the most inconsistent podcast ever if people go back, like, years and go, hmm, let's see what Pep said in... 2021 versus we already had that happen where someone <laughs> yeah. took our episode before the ukraine invasion took things out of context and went see we'd already <laughs> gotten different information in that week holy shit imagine how different yeah, it will be next year we have a lot of different information about that situation right now but i'm not even going to get into it so there's I a am, thing going I, on <laughs> go for it no i was gonna say i'm really curious to see what of that comes up uh, at the 
it's gonna it's gonna come up. <laughs> uh, there's been a a fight. Actual left. I can't even say leftist because not really leftists. Actual like I don't know Marxist infighting, disagreement, theory, dialectics. If you've been reading the theory, you'll you'll remember like oh yeah the the idea that two different things can both be simultaneously true while seemingly contradictory, and then between the two of them, you find like a greater truth by actually talking about shit. And I think a little bit of that is happening. At least it happened in my mind. The people who are trying to be productive. There are always people online trying to run around and get dunks, but for the most part, I've been, I'm trying to pull what is valuable from this. So, all right. We already have our two classes. We've got bourgeoisie, we got proletariat. The way that I define classes, the way that I define, the way that Marx defines these two classes are your relation to the means of production. Do you work the means of production for a wage while not owning them at all? Or do you own the means of production and a bunch of people work them and you scrape off the excess value from the laborers? If we get a little bit deeper into that, Marx also talks about, you'll hear about the productive forces productive labor the productive forces things like food gas housing like our absolute core basic necessities and what got me thinking on this line i, I happen to be reading uh this this guy r palm dutt d-u-t-t he has a thing called what is it a uh, social revolution and fascism and it, it's kind of a largish book but it's at least like 1930s written by a native english speaker so like it's hey we're getting we're getting like more and more contemporary and easier Yay. to read so as they're going through, this is also a thing Mark says, but Dutt was summarizing it. And this is kind of, I guess, actually a basic thing that I kind of am just now picking up on. So Marx, we kind of see capitalism as just a, a, a bad. Capitalism is the same as bad. <laughs> like when we're complaining about a thing and say, oh, capitalism, what we mean is it's shitty. It's bad. If you go back far enough, capitalism used to increase the productive forces. If you go back to the 1700s and look at how many people it took to make enough calories to feed the population, it was far more people than are necessary in 1800, 1900. Now, capitalism took our productive forces from being like a couple guys with sickles out there, like threshing the wheat by hand, and then we got like factories to make more things so we could sustain a larger population. It increased the productive forces in the past. Old school, like even Marx was right about it was starting to wind down, like late 1700s, early 1800s, capitalism. Then you get Lenin, who moves on and talks about, no, 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 we've gone past just basic capitalism. We're talking about imperialism now. And in imperialism, those same productive forces are no longer being expanded. I mean, look at the U.S. Do we have more steel industry, more food production, more textile production? No. In fact, we actually we have, have less, less and less. <laughs> like, if tomorrow the U.S. was suddenly completely isolated and couldn't import or export anything, there's a whole lot of things that are a globalized, interconnected system united under the empire, imperialism. Uh, like all this shit kind of happens in other countries now. So the reason that is significant is then you have unproductive and productive labor. What kind of job do you have? Do you have a job as like a coal miner or a, like the guy who drives the, or like a truck driver? Are you doing, are you part of what Marx calls the productive forces? To try and draw a contrast here, does a cop do productive labor? Dragger, well, let's like this is let's discussion here for a bit. Like <laughs> cop labor is the, is a cop not selling their labor? <laughs> you see what I'm getting at? Let's, yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. Well, 
my mind immediately, so when, the, when this was first brought up to me, there are two things that jumped to mind before I would answer that question, and that is, what is production, and what is the finite resource that doesn't care about the definition of production, and that is my time, your time. Time. Regardless of what you call it, how it is spent is spent, and that is all. So in that regard, that's where I say, yes, the cop is selling their labor in that way. Technically, a CEO sells their labor. I mean, most CEO, like actual big CEOs, they're also majority stockholders usually, or at least have a shit ton of stock. Like they are yes, owners. But, they're, but you know, the absentee CEO that doesn't actually show up is not selling their labor. They're just owning something. But if you're, even if you're an, if, even if, look, technically Jeff Bezos doesn't have to do shit. And I assure you, he's <laughs> in all of these meetings. He is still actually spending his time in a way that we would deem some form of labor by that definition. I technically have like, if you looked at my labor, the art, the labor of like music, the labor of a musician, it is really hard to call my labor productive yeah. in the Marxian sense. Like if tomorrow I never made another song again, like no factories would shut down, nobody would starve, nobody would be cold, freeze to death. So this all started centering on baristas, like Starbucks. Where, like why does this become actually important? Because it has uh, connotations for unionization. Obviously me and Dragor support unions, we support unionization, but then people will bring up well, the police have a union. What is different? Like, what is the actual material distinction between these? Well, uh, one is, as we've said before, just because there is a thing called a union that says nothing about its internal organization and structure. The AFL-CIO. Do we love them? <laughs> no we don't everyone that, that is fucking they took over the worker movement of the 70s and the capitalists were like hey work with us and then they were like the skill they they're uh, concerned with with what's called skilled labor and the non-skilled labor and you're like is that the same as productive and unproductive it's like no so, actually very, very different ways of classifying shit what's called skilled labor can be entirely unproductive and with almost all of what is called unskilled labor like or should i say almost all of what we would call productive for is unskilled labor it's the dude picking the carrots but there is no such thing as unskilled labor but there's technically what we call mm -hmm. so yeah uh, like what they call it you know what i mean yes so anyway <laughs> what does this actually mean because the argument that's being made online is uh depending on how like mean you want to go about it is somewhere between any union that is not of uh, or like is not organizing the productive forces is either pointless or even harmful, which I disagree. I couldn't. I don't see this as fucking harmful. Like the Starbucks union versus the Amazon union. That's the real life thing we're talking yes. about with this with this subject. And the argument made is that the Starbucks union is essentially useless. It takes a bunch of service workers who are like by like almost definitionally unproductive forces in the Marxian sense. And then it compares it to organizing Amazon employees who are definite, hard, capital P productive forces. They, like, make the entire country run, and it's really hard to argue that they don't. Between packing it, shipping it. I mean, Amazon's in infrastructure works better than, like, the U.S. government's infrastructure when it comes to getting things done for the American people in a material sense. It Well, uh, I would actually counter that. that oh, please. Uh, first of all, Amazon's infrastructure that they built was doing digital things on top of existing infrastructures. Remember, Amazon had no sure. delivery of its own and made use of the excellent USPS delivery infrastructure. 
and now they've moved past that. They've like developed well, their own. No, let's, now let's be honest. <laughs> did they move past it, or did they fund a bunch of lobbying for their favorite politicians to undermine the USPS while also building up their own? Point being, of the things they actually make and do, their system was only good at the time because at the time there was a thing that was doing it better than them, and now it isn't, and now even their system's crumbling. How many people continue today to complain about all of the fraud on Amazon, all of the misdeliveries, even the Amazon's experience itself is crumbling? So here is the, by the way, when I said lumpen proletariat, that's a real, that's an actual Marxian term. And here's the Wikipedia definition. Okay. Uh, the underclass, devoid of class consciousness, kind of the peasantry. Because if you look at, I can, I can definitely see, I mean, Marx did not uh, imagine the current U.S. economy. Right now, 80% of American jobs are what we would call service jobs. We have a service economy. In the back in the day, it was kind of flipped. It was more like eighty percent is what we call productive forces: people working in factories, people, you know, and then like some service industries. But like waiters and waitresses, they're far enough removed from the means of production that uh, I saw him defined online uh, by this guy. Like he, he was describing them as mercenaries. It's like mercenary work. You show up and you like you don't even have solidarity with your other waiters because like tips are tips, and you're out there trying to scrap and fight for every bit of tip you possibly can. And uh, then the back of house, the people actually making the food, are what they would call the productive for They are productive labor because they are not service workers. You never see them. They get paid exactly the same no matter how they work, as long as they work, like as long as they're making food. And you could take all the waiters and waitresses out of a restaurant and just, you know, do a count, basically become Chipotle, become a counter serve thing where they just give you the food over the thing. The cook makes it and go in a window and the restaurant would still technically operate versus if you remove the cooks and only have waiters, you don't have a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. So let me hit you with uh, people more eloquent than me kind of make, like breaking this shit down to like where it actually... Can I, you want me to skip? How, what do you think is your conclusion of this? Like, what do you think of this argument? Where do you come down on it and why? So it's not so much an argument. Uh, I have a friend who is an archaeologist, and one of the things that when my, that friend's group of mine gets into various discussions... Uh, we always end up having to define terms. And yeah. so the thing that I see happening here is we have this definition of Marxism, you know, Marx-Lenin. We have all of this stuff that did not account for what's happening today. And this argument is dealing with the fact that we do not have in our default language and analysis of applying, cap or of applying communism and what we need to do to today. So 80% of our labor being service-related means this discussion is a necessity. Uh, how we yeah. organize and tackle this is, is influenced by the fact that the system is such that when all of the baristas quit, what happens to the United States economy? Nothing, really. Does so, it hurt Starbucks? Does it, yeah, and does it even hurt Starbucks? They, they'll survive. They'll figure out a way. And you so could then, go to a vending machine, basically. You could make Starbucks a vending machine model. Yes. Where, so, but then, yeah. so you asked, like, where do I fall on this argument? And the argument is, is Starbucks unionizing good, neutral, or bad? And I still say it's actually explicitly good for the following reasons. Uh, one is, all right, capital knows it doesn't need these people, but it fights these unions anyway because of an imperialist, they need to maintain control so any expression of fighting them must be stamped out. In that regard, having this fight at all brings visibility and teaches people 
about needing to organize. We don't even have the vocabulary and how we are. We are all taught and brought up to be capitalists. We comment on this all the time. Any unions and getting spotlights for it is by default exposure and education to the rest. I was going to say, what if you Starbucks, I think the crux of this for specifically the Starbucks union, and you can kind of extrapolate this to any place of business, is if they get the union going, what happens with the packagers, growers, pickers, transport, everyone else, what you would call the productive forces of the Starbucks. Like, even if you went to vending machine model, somebody yes. has to bring the beans to the store. But somebody has to put the beans unionizing. in a bag. Yeah. But that's what I, and exactly, those are not the people currently being unionized. And those I think are people that have even less agency than the people unionizing, yeah. technically, because they're in even more exploited regions. If they want to be a legit union that I can throw my full weight behind, they need to explicitly go after including those people. Kind of like how when we did our teacher strike, we explicitly went after bus drivers, lunch staff, janitorial, our quote-unquote productive forces of yes. making a public school actually run in the messaging from day one was, look... We need a 10% raise. They need like a 70% raise. Like they're triple fucking. <laughs> yeah. So like a Starbucks union, for example, would ideally involve, you know, the, the shipping or the trucking that's bringing the product there. So let me do a series of tweets of people who are, you know, they're be they've read way more of the theory than I have spent more time with. It. The people who are talking in this are Peter Coffin and a guy named Logo Daedalus. Logo Daedalus is the kind of the catalyst of all of this. They're the ones who started, who started uh, jumping around with the Starbucks employees, our service workers, and not proletarians, therefore not proletarians. That's the... the uh, controversial parks they're like they are service workers and also that which is a subsect of the proletariat he's since gone as far as to say if you are not proletariat you are bourgeois <laughs> and it's like okay so we're really gonna call what? like an app an applebee's waiter bourgeois a member of the bourgeois because if you flip that it doesn't make sense it doesn't say like well, if you look at the definition of bourgeois and i don't fit it does that make me proletarian because i definitely we, do not fit you, you tell me if you want to read stuff first but there's a thing that uh i continue to really like peter coffin over that i think is good at bringing people into the fold and that is to start with your definition of proletariat it is based on mm -hmm. your relation to capital not what you produce i like that which is material it's a material distinction as opposed to a moral or value-based distinction yes it's Logo seems to be going towards, is the work you do good? And it's like, well, fucking define it. Like, how do you, what's good? <laughs> like, how do we, if it's relation to means of production, that's something I can point at. It's material. Okay. So here's a back and forth between those two from like a few days ago. And it, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation, but you, you, you get where they're talking about here. So he says, correct. This is Peter talking. Correct. And the best buy guys owns the means of production question mark because they're essentially talking about geek squad they're like what happens if you fix like a, if you work for geek squad for best buy he's like non and logo says non sequitur tell me what the means of production are i assure you that you are not using the term adequately adequately what is the means of production for installing a fucking xbox peter and peter says the apparatus to set up the interaction the branding the, the guarantees and warranties that come associated with it so basically best buy <laughs> you are talking about the creation of a service and the employee does not own it. If you work for Geek Squad, you do not own Geek Squad. And if you're a guy who freelance repairs Xboxes, you are not going to just get that work out of fucking nowhere. You're not going to take out an ad in the paper. Hi, I'd like to install your Xbox. I'd like to do freelance Geek Squad work. It doesn't happen. 
People go to Best Buy to get that service. They have the advertising budget. They have the TV commercials. They have created an entire means of production that has told people, this is where you go to get your Xbox installed. That shit did not just manifest out of nowhere. And the Geek Squad employees, they do not own a means of production. They are simply working the Best Buy apparatus that is the means of production. To, uh, to summarize and put words in Peter's mouth. Then uh, Logo <laughs> comes back with <laughs> branding is a means of production. Lamau. <laughs> and it's like, not just branding, but like, can I take out a fucking Super Bowl ad for Pepper Coyote albums? <laughs> no, but Bandcamp, have... <laughs> Bandcamp might. Yes. Actually, Bandcamp is now owned by Epic. Yep. So they Fuck. really might. <laughs> so, all right. So then we have Peter coming back. You think the Best Buy genius service happens without Best Buy? Without it? You think the purchaser of the service isn't affected by this? And Logo says, is the production of branding, the production of value, and that's, hey, that, that becomes a fucking thing, is, is creating an advertisement for a product the same relation to the means of production as, say, assembling the product? Logo saying the real proletarian in this is the person who made the Xbox, which I don't disagree with. That person is proletarian. Peter, are they socializing production? Are they keeping the entire product of their labor? It really depends, doesn't it? Some probably are, and some definitely aren't. And that's where I am. It's like, it really depends. And then the final logo thing, no, it doesn't depend at all. Musicians are service workers and not proletarians. <laughs> and it's just like, no, you're wrong. And I'm like, oh. So uh, there's a line in there that is very fascinating, and I think it glosses over something I like to get into all the time. And the question was, is creating the ad creating value and the answer is unequivocally yes why because what is the entire industry of advertising what is the whole thing exploiting how the human brain works there is only so much time in the day there is only so many thoughts you can have priming is a thing and exposure is a thing especially in modern advertisement so to create the ad is to essentially also, <laughs> in today's world, from my view, is to steal more time from you in a way that doesn't even involve a financial transaction. It is forced upon you. So, like, sure. the ad is designed to encourage and get you to the financial exchange. Like, it's a piece of the puzzle explicitly. We've known this. We've known this You're socially. Saying that this is how humans work. You're saying that it is part of the means of production. Absolutely. I also didn't have a hard time. I didn't have a hard time making that jump when Peter first said it. He, he was like, because I'm sitting there like, what is the means of production of Uber? Because people who haven't thought about it much will go, oh, well, they own their car. They own the means of production. It's like, do they? <laughs> is really? You can't just go that? around. Well, okay. If you you're can't Uber, just go around and say, I'll give you a ride for $10. You can't what, do that. If you well, do, that's you'll be what arrested. Uber did because they're big enough and they're still fighting and paying off those lawsuits while raking in the uh -huh. cash. But if they you or I illegally. go do that, we will go to jail. They have signs in every airport saying, if someone is offering you rides, don't take it. That's illegal. You can't do that here. So does the worker own the means of production or is the app, the branding, the advertisements, all of that shit that gets people to come to Uber and then eventually you get a nickel out of it, is that the means of production? I think this is another example where we talk about, uh, I don't know, it was a couple episodes where we were talking about China and we were specifically talking about that the great fire or the social score in China being codified is not a good thing in that that's a structure you can't consent out of it like you're not consenting you're forced into it but then we also clearly said 
Credit scores in America are functionally that, and it's implied. It's not explicit. So to me, this is another example of when you're in the 1800s, the means of production is easily explicit. And now we have all of these implied things that capital has obfuscated on purpose. They might not have seemed as obvious at the time either. They right. seem really obvious in retrospect, and they probably will seem obvious in another 50 years looking back at now. So I want to bring this back to a theory thing, because my final, I don't know, final analysis, I guess, of why this whole like productive forces shit matters and you should be thinking about it and caring. This is back to Dutt. So we don't just not like capitalism because capitalism bad and makes me feel sad. It's because it is now once, well, actually, once we move from capitalism to imperialism, it no longer in works to increase the productive forces of the world. It now, in fact, it starts to decrease the productive forces of the world. He had an anecdote about in the 30s talking about how the, the latest automobile manufacturing technology at the time could not be sold to Americans because it was too expensive. It was cheaper at the time to just keep your laborers going than to pay for equipment that did make it happen faster, but didn't like, you know, uh, what is it? Risk cost benefit analysis. It didn't make sense. However, they could sell them to the Soviet Union because the Soviet Union was not profit focused <laughs> they were yeah. instead like we need to make as many cars we need to increase the productive forces and you can never argue that the ussr did not do that for russia it increased the fuck out of the productive forces um at a point capitalism imperialism starts to squash down those productive forces because they no longer are interested it, it's not profitable to do so you combine the the tend of the tendency of the rate of profit to decline, yeah. which all of that sentence is the Marxian idea. The tendency <laughs> of the rate of profit to decline. Like, that's an article on Wikipedia. The you combine that with what we were just talking about, how as productive forces increase, the amount of human labor it took to produce all of our necessities in the 1800s was, you know, much larger than what it currently takes. So what do we do with all of those, quote, extra superfluous workers? communists want to put us to productive work because there are things that need produced. <laughs> like look around the world. There are, there's obviously productive work that needs done that isn't marketing or trying to sell somebody an Simply iPad or put, whatever. The shortcut version. Do we have Star Trek yet? No, there are many productive things to do more tangible. Are we still dying of things that we can throw brains at to try and research and get cures? Oh Yeah. So then you get this question of, like, what does imperialism do with all of these, quote-unquote, superfluous workers? If it only takes 20% of your population, like in the U.S. right now, to actually make and build the things, you have 80% of your population left. Why did we have the Great Depression? <laughs> <laughs> because we had a lot of superfluous workers who couldn't afford to buy the own, their own products. Like, I learned about that shit in junior high. That's, this is just a more, I don't know, detailed, nuanced, this is the socialist way of looking at that. At the time, we had nothing for our, quote, superfluous workers, so a ton of people just went hungry. Fascism is when imperial capital looks at your superfluous workers and says, let us kill them. <laughs> like, basically, like, 
the reason that Nazi Germany's economy like kind of worked out with exterminating a huge group of people is because, wow, that sure does eliminate your unemployment. Everybody had shit to do, and if you didn't, they would, you know, you choose an arbitrary reason, an arbitrary group of people, and go after them to be exterminated, and that's that's fascism, basically. Like, oh, it's everybody who isn't white, or in another universe it could be everybody who isn't black, everybody who isn't fucking right-handed, everybody with black. It's arbitrary who gets destroyed. <laughs> it's usually to do with your unique regions, like yeah, historical. It's, it's, Who's ar- the it's arbitrary <laughs> insofar as in the grand scheme of the universe it doesn't affect anything, but contextually yes. they're going to find... It's always historically out of marginalized yeah. groups. Like here, it would be black people, probably, or I don't know, gays. <laughs> We'd pick somebody. Like in each country has their own group. Natives. We've we've genocided a few things on yeah. the soil. <laughs> exactly. Buffalo. Our soil. We genocided our soil. Basically, it's not good hey, for crops look, that much anymore. We brought horses, and I say we, I mean Europeans in the 1500s, 1600s. Anyway, uh, we were we were going towards fascism is extreme, and I think you, we're going to go somewhere else after that, or no? Well, it kind of becomes a huge, important question, doesn't it? Because we require more productive forces. Our current system is trying to grind up. We're at 20% productive. Well, per, you know what I'm using my definitions. 20% productive forces. They're, it's going to be less in another uh, decade. And it's going to be less after that in another, another decade. What do we do with everyone then? Because people do need to work. The other option would be everybody works like an hour a week. And then we all have jobs, but we all get... That's not, well, human, not that's not how human it. brains work, though. That does that doesn't it's work. Not, it's not profitable. Oh, we would accept that. Are you shitting me? The, uh, everyone no, I know would absolutely a, accept a one-hour work week. <laughs> a one-hour work week doesn't work at sufficiently complex tasks. We know this. Well, you know what I'm saying, though. Like basically tag teaming it. So instead of having a cup, that that twenty percent right. is getting their ass kicked. Like no, they're having what to I'm work saying so is, hard. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, Pepper, even tag teaming it is still going to continue down the path of. Okay, now what? Because automation, we haven't sure. hit any kind of wall of that. So like even that's a band-aid solution to what we're talking about. Yeah, definitely. And and this is me getting into the thing I don't like to do, which is utopian thinking. Oh, what yes. if? What will it be? Like, well, I'm, that's what it could be. Either so, everyone works a bit less and you spread it out, or you have this big chunk of people who just don't work. And what do you just let them all go homeless? So, so what does t- <laughs> what is history taught about uh, the consequences of fascism? It doesn't actually fully solve your issues. No, it just not so much that. Itself. As to the people committing it, if you t- if if they do take it to its logical extreme, for the most part, historically, sure. they get taken out. There's a yeah, shit ton of pain and so suffering deep. on the way there, but eventually, it does. It always ends, and this leads to what we were kind of talking about earlier. I think there are people recognizing. So one of the things we talk about is the Malthus. Uh, the Malthusian people, who basically are, yeah, a bunch of people are going to have to die. Well, we know that a bunch <laughs> of people dying, especially in this age of the internet, causes the whole world to look a little more, kinda. Like, if it happens on a big enough scale, there will be eyeballs. So, to me, I'm looking at what is going to be different this time. They still want to be in control. They know what happens when you take it too far and when you're explicit. So I think a lot of our implied structures of harm in the United States are reactions to if you codify it, you get caught red-handed when it gets too bad. So we get to uh, not live well. God damn it. You said it earlier. Company towns uh, from the movie. Oh, worry-free. Worry-free. Live well. Worry-free. Uh, <laughs> and this is also kind of something that the uh, that fucking Firefly movie, Serenity, kind of was building towards. 
you can't kill your population, so you have to pacify them. Your, your 80% is not going to work, and you can't kill them. Damn, now what? And we're seeing parts of that play out. It's not given. There is the old-style thinking, the Malthusians, the clear fascists that are on the way up and are doing what we have seen before. Exterminations are on their way if that's the arm that wins. Or we're going to get worry-free. This is going to make me sound like a conspiracy theorist, but if you're thinking about the current material conditions of today, like when fascism was becoming popular, like capital F fascism, like Italy, Germany, like the original originators. And when Americans were like, you know, fascism sounds kind of good. Like I've read the blah, 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 before the genocides had happened and it was really easy to go. No, we can't kill a million Jews. That's not okay. Obviously <laughs> millions, I should say. Uh, what? current thing if i look at current i don't know trains of thinking values uh that would lead to a justified like a popularly justified where a lot a whole lot of people would would accept it uh population reductions and forcing people into insane poverty and horrible conditions that would be degrowth people i can see climate change being used as justification it already to take is. actions that i know that on their face are like oh well we have to do this for pollution reasons and unfortunately, it killed a fuck ton of Sudanese kids. Like, I think that's what it's going to look like. And the bad thing is me saying that now, I would be labeled as like a right-wing conspiracy. Oh, you're a climate change denier. Not at all what I said. <laughs> no, no. Climate change is very real, and it's hurting us. And the whole fucking globe needs to get with the program. Uh, do we use it as an excuse actually, to cull a population or do we use it as like, holy shit, this is like the new moon race. We got to all get together and figure out nuclear fusion. Uh, the <laughs> anti-GMO crowd effectively <laughs> is falling on the side of Malthusian. Why? Because you have, it is explainable in gut reaction terms on why an average person might go GMO bad. Why? Because places like Monsanto get patents and copyrights for their strains of corn that cannot mm -hmm. reproduce on their own, and that if it ends up growing in someone else's field and they find it, they go to that farmer and go, you're infringing our patent, and they fuck that person. You know what GMOs also allow us to do? Grow uh, shit in dry conditions? Hang on, I have a link for this. Let me, let me bring it up <laughs> I here. I say I have a list. <laughs> I have a list of the things GMOs do, and I'll be <laughs> saying every single one of them. Not every Aside, single one I, of them. Hang on, I... I highly respect pro-GMO vegans, because we can at least have a conversation. <laughs> like evangelical uh, Supercharged <laughs> biotech rice yields 40% more grain, and the key one that you're going to hear more and more, we've talked about it a little bit, is uh, nitrogen in the soil is becoming worrisome. And not only does this strain do that, it seems to make better use of the nitrogen it is given. This is yeah. GMO. This is what it can do for us. We can GMO to have superfoods that help us. The science itself is not bad. It's not good either. It's just a thing we can do. It's our application of it. Everything we eat today is a GMO. Like we've all heard it before. None of our food looked like this 500 years ago. It didn't <laughs> like, look not like even this close. even 70 years ago. <laughs> Apples did not look the way they do 70 years ago. Yeah, you'd have this hard, tasteless, whatever the you could just barely chew, and that's like an orange. Well, that that's a little <laughs> bit more than seventy years ago. I use apple as the site of like we have been eating apples for hundreds of years, but they're yeah. the, the at where they have grown in size and increased in overall sugar content has been a more recent development. 
cap to this because I do want to go. I want to go to topics that aren't just mine. At the end of the day, we know. So we talk about climate change is coming and everyone's going to die. Well, the climate change is coming, but everyone isn't going to die. We we if using the we're all going to die as this like quick everyone panic and no one think is how you can get this we a new form of fascism that looks what we would call i guess left today whatever the fuck that looks woke uh, that uses things like climate change as an excuse to uh allow Elon Musk to build his fucking bunker where he gets to live and everybody else. And then we're raising uh, Africa and parts of South Asia. uh, Fuck it. Like we are going to survive climate change. There will still be people. And the things we need to be looking at are like what Dragor just said. Maybe we could come up with new kinds of crops that will uh, work with this changing climate. Maybe we can come up with kinds of buildings, air conditioning technology, moving people away from where it is definitely going to flood. If you resolve yourself to the, we're all going to die, we're all fucked anyway, that gives people license to not act and not hold their governments accountable for doing better. And yes, none of this can be accomplished with our current imperialist government. China, though, is doing shit at they least. Are. Like, at least someone in the world is taking some kind of steps. America's like, oh, we're all just fucked. I guess we'll have a cool party as it burns down. And China's like, no, we're all going to be here and we're going to have to deal with this shit. So let's come up. With- so here's here's what here's what you should tell people. If someone says, oh, we're all going to die anyway. You go, no. What is what is genetically true about human history? I'm going to get the actual number wrong, but you can genealogically, that's, fuck that word, you can trace back our genes (laughs) and all of humanity to, what, anywhere from 11 to 17 women. All humans today, some event, we don't (laughs) know, not even some event, but, like, our our genetic history, we can trace back to 11 to 17 women. We're not all going to die from climate change. It's just those 11 to 17 for the next iteration of us is going to come from people picked by the likes of uh, billionaires. Is that what you want for humanity? All right, next thing. You want to talk about Cuban drugs or something else? Uh, fuck yeah. That's a quick one. Cuba, good news. I'm just going to read the press release. The English is a tiny bit janky because it is translated. This, this is from a, a website called Granma, G-R-A-N-M-A dot C-U. So it is a Cuban website. So it's entirely fake and this is all made up, right? Uh, <laughs> Cuba will begin clinical trials with drug to treat Alzheimer's disease. For the first time in Cuba, the patient will undergo a molecular and clinical diagnosis for this disease. Cuba will soon, this came out July 20th of this year, Cuba will soon begin phase three clinical trial of Neural CIM, the commercial name of Neuro EPO, the Cuban drug against Alzheimer's disease. It also apparently is Parkinson's, Parkinson's in there too, I don't, I'm not a doctor, uh, for which the classification of patients who will participate in the study begin in Havana. So they're announcing, all right, we're picking our people and we're going to do the trial. And this has been a very promising drug. That's the reason I keep talking about it. Cause like it's moved to human trials now. And we're like, holy shit, will we actually have a, an effect, a quasi effective treatment? Cause there's nothing for Alzheimer's as I'm sure anybody who's heard of the disease is aware. 
Although this preliminary screening does not mean the full start of the clinical trial, it is an important step to advance the correct diagnosis of patients and in the identification of the population to be included, explained to the press Dr. Calet Leon Monzon, the first deputy director of the Center for Molecular, Molecular Immunology. Uh, patients interested in being evaluated to be included in the clinical trial can request an appointment in the Medical Surgical Research Center and in the, oh, you ready for me to pronounce some fucking names? Salvador Allende, Manuel Fajardo, and Hermanos, this is the hardest one, Amaijairas, Amaijairas Hospitals and the Institute of Neurology. And all their hospitals are named after revolutionaries and it's kind of bad. That's awesome. I'm going to stop there, but like, hey, good news. We might soon have, oh, this is also like a nasal spray, by the way. You just, that's it. That's how you do the drug. So <laughs> I posted uh, two links directly related to this in the chat, and this is why I wanted you to go first. Uh, and one is from the Daily Cost. Two decades of Alzheimer's research may be based on deliberate fraud that has cost millions of lives. Last month, drug company Genetech reported on the first clinical trials of the drug Krenezumab, a drug targeting amyloid proteins, blah, 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 for Alzheimer's, particularly effective in animal models, but it did not work. Uh, there's some other stuff around that. One of the key lines I like from this article, over the last two decades, Alzheimer's drugs has been notable for mostly having a 99% failure rate in human trials. It's not unusual for drugs that are effective in vitro and in animal models to turn it out to be less successful when used in humans, but Alzheimer's has a record that makes the batting average in other areas look like Hall of Fame material. And now Ooh, we have a good I'm... idea why. Because it looks like the original paper that established the amyloid plaque model as foundation of Alzheimer's research over the last 16 years might not just be wrong, but a deliberate fraud. The suspicion was I'm... something more than a little wrong with the model... And almost all of its re Alzheimer's research funding, $1.6 in the last year alone, began with a fight over the drug Simufilam. And really what basically it gets into is there's a bunch of stock purchase stuff and a bunch of capitalists with interest in something getting to market and being good and blah, blah, blah. Well, well let me, like, in... To immediately answer the question of how could a, pharmace a pharmaceutical company extract an assload of capital from America using this and uh, Medicare's coverage decision for the new Alzheimer's <laughs> drug and why it matters. <laughs> Apparently, this drug, which costs, I th if I read right, six grand per dose. Yeah is apparently going to overall increase the total cost of Medicare by itself. Like, it being covered is just going to astronomically... And I, I'm not what cynical or conspiratorial the, what enough. What has both parties been trying to do for the last 50 years? Kill Medicaid. This is, is it, how that's they what I mean. found it. Is this to kill Medicaid with help from a shitty drug company? Or is it a drug company going, man, this shit's going away soon. Let's grab it while we can. Let's smash Why and grab. <laughs> Why it not probably is. That's the thing. Because these aren't moral decisions getting made by an evil cabal. They are simply interest-based decisions getting made by business people. They don't care what happens to Medicaid next year. They just know they can make that money right now. So they're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Hurry. Uh, the other one shit. I linked is real peer review has never been tried. And this is an ongoing thing that we've talked about here and there where what do you do with your 80% when all of your human needs are taken care of by your 20%? Well... We have a lot of quote-unquote science that needs double, triple, quintuple, and 10x verification, perhaps even on regular intervals as humanity learns stuff. 
The number sure. of times we've had to change a foundation of our scientific understanding because we hit that big of a breakthrough doesn't happen every year or every decade, but it happens often enough that when it does, you need a mechanism in place to go re-review what you thought were premises. Uh, this article here is the scary thing saying we have not been doing any of that at all for a while because capital does not, there's no money to be made from going, yes, ibuprofen works as we thought it did 100 years ago. Sweet. Again, not that we're saying that we should just take Cuba and copy paste it onto America because that wouldn't work because Cuba has its own unique history, separate and different from the unique history of the United States. But they are not bankrupting themselves. Uh, they're they're bankrupting their only national health care program to to enrich uh, a, an upper class <laughs> to enrich an upper class of pharma executives based on now it sounds like provably false research. Uh, here's one. Uh, you were talking. We were talking a little bit about uh, it requires a historical context to understand what fascism targets. And you can see that coming back again at queer people here in, at least at the very least, the United States for sure. Uh, so I linked a tweet, and it's basically on Twitter, groomers is trending, and the first post that shows up is an ABC article about children getting monkeypox. That is not an accident. Monkeypox spreads via air, not just contact. It spreads very easily through physical contact. And so, you know, if you ah, fuck Jesus, someone, is it another mask disease? <laughs> another yes. Aerosolized? Yeah. Uh, and so I don't know how true this is as far as the spread, but uh, it was getting noted. Monkeypox was getting noted in Germany. Then there was IML, International Mr. Leather, or maybe it was IMR, International Mr. Rubber. And a bunch of people descended and gathered, and then that turned into an outbreak, and then they've been traveling all over the United States, and that seems to be one of that. Like that's the one we know about. So this is what this is what the media is intentionally using for the next building of scapegoat for the fascist arm of what's going on with late stage capitalism. Is they're saying it's a gay disease again? No. One, there's no <laughs> such thing. Uh, two, it spreads by air. They're selling it as. Only the icky gays get it. And it's going to turn into a social phenomenon of you're not going to even tell anyone you have monkeypox because it's the gay disease. This is AIDS all over again. Only way more contagious. They're signaling how they're not going to do shit about another pandemic. This is a Correct. tweet I read. I'm just summarizing. But they're, su they're signaling that they're not going to do anything about this pandemic either by one, uh, falsely labeling it as entirely skin to skin, which you just said. And two, kind of being like, yeah, but only the degenerates can get it. <laughs> like... Only gays. <laughs> but but I just stayed in a hotel. Ah, you stayed in a gay hotel. Fuck you. You didn't have the money. You didn't have the money to stay I, where you could be safe. You're a poor. You're a dirty gay bed poor. Bugs. I got bed bugs from what was what's supposed to be like a nice hotel. <laughs> All it takes is one asshole with bed bugs in a nice hotel, and then there you go. Man, and people, you're talking about kids. When Right now, school is at a session, which is kind of a secret blessing in a lot of places that there aren't a... <laughs> Skin-to-skin -skin contact. Oh, my God. Kids touch fucking everything. <laughs> they just ugh, they rub their <laughs> gross faces and hands on all, all over each other all the time. <laughs> so, like, you're going to have a bunch of kindergarten through fifth grade. Actually, probably all of schooling. But, like, these big school outbreaks. And then, yeah. Oh, did some gay give all of the children monkeypox? <laughs> yeah. Ugh.
All right. Uh, I'm just going to go into headlines. I have a couple of things gathered, and uh, I'm going to shout out to the folks that uh, shared these in the Teehee LinkedIn channel of our Discord. So if you are a patron for $1 or more and want us to tackle either an... I don't promise where these things end up. It's based on our individual uh, interest with a particular link. But if you share links, they very likely, at the very least, will end up in this headlines section. Uh, first up is this YouTube video that was shared with us by Misfit Raider. And it is, Texas GOP convention embraces far-right platform. And by now, you probably, maybe, have heard about the various bets on, ah, this whole... And it's not even new or embraced. It's kind of the same stuff that's been going on. Uh, my interest in this is how CBS is actually presenting it more than the actual far-right embraces Jesus again. Like, <laughs> okay, that's not new. That's been going on since before I was born. Us. Gotta scare us into voting for these... Bitches. Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. This is CBS. This is a liberal piece of media aimed at vote blue no matter who, people. Uh, did you have any? You said it. I'm just going to go on to the next one. Uh, well, I could or, add in, because you just said vote blue no matter who. Yeah, and, do it. Uh, an, another example of that not actually even being the thing. It's only vote blue no matter who when the Democrat is a piece of shit. But if the Democrat actually is coincidentally has some cool policies, suddenly it's like, oh, we need to keep these dangerous radicals. Geoff, <laughs> Geoff, Jeff, Geoff Young won the Democratic nomination for the U.S. House of Representatives in Kentucky's 6th Congressional District, May 17th of this year. He will face the incumbent, Republican Andy Barr. Andy Barr is kind of a known... Kind of, he's one of those guys. Uh, in the election, uh, in the general election on, on November eighth, his platform calls for abolishing. This is the Geoff, uh, the the Democrat, the guy who won the primary. He wants to abolish the CIA, cut the military budget, end U.S. support for Africom, which is where we're fucking around in Somalia, and taxing the rich more. Unsurprisingly, Kentucky's Democratic Party establishment says it won't support Young in the general election against his Republican opponent. Yep. Arizona, I just had to fill out a primary ballot where there were no candidates run for my House of Rep my federal House of Representatives. It just says no candidato. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. Fucking oh my God. <laughs> They're definitely fighting to stop fascism from entering America. Hey, like if the shit is that wait, important, Pepper. act like it. Pepper, speaking of stopping fascism, there's a bunch of these January 6th hearings going on. And also from Misfit Raider is uh GOP Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin wanted to hand-deliver alternate fraudulent electors to Vice President Mike Pence ahead of the joint session of Congress, according to texts the committee provided. And I'm sitting here... What if here that guy's going to go to jail? I'm sitting here going at this point, we, we kind of talked about it and called it kind of when January 6th happened of... Not only are there not going to be, for the most part, real consequences, a couple of figurehead people will probably go to jail here and there, but ultimately, this is all being used as a taking up time, taking up mind share of something that is very important and to go over, but it, we're just getting circus. We're not... We went through how long of New York's going to go after Trump, and once Trump's not president anymore, oh, they're going to get him, they're going to get him. Yeah. There is never a consequence. Ever. When they do get them, when I say there is never a consequence, I mean systemically there is never a consequence. Individuals sure suffer consequences. There will be some figurehead Republicans that don't make it out, and the party's going to go, 
Well, of course, that thing was wrong. They did that one thing wrong, implicitly saying if they didn't say it out loud, they'd be fine. We have irrefutable evidence of insane. Everyone talks about George W. Bush is a war criminal. Yes, though, but that's not just like a meme. Actually, how come all U.S. presidents haven't gone to jail when they leave office? If they weren't going to do W. Bush for killing literal millions of fucking people, they probably aren't going to do Trump for like fucking up their bourgeois tipping one of their spinning plates of nonsense they're like not that trump was good he didn't go in to do this but when people talk about him like shaking up the system he did shake up the system he made them unable to start any new wars for his entire presidency biden has already started bombing new countries (laughs) like it's not that i want trump back it's just trying to pretend that the democrats are somehow the good guy is getting fucking sickening And it already was bad if you already were in the know, but then you just keep looking and you're like, it is worse and quicker. Kids are not out of cages. All right, uh, next one. (laughs) Uh, Next one comes from H3, and it is an article about the breakdown of a McDonald's hamburger and cost and wages. And this ties into uh, what we had. Service. What? Today, just in the whole like service employee versus proletarian uh, discourse, there was a guy, Johnny Socialism, an account that I enjoy. He's going, basically making the argument of like, do you think people, I, because they'll talk about how service workers create an experience. Uh, the guy Logo, who started the whole thing, has now kind of uh, synthesized his analysis down to like, America is Disneyland. And in Disneyland, you have your front of house employees who like are basically actors, your cast members. And then you have when the park closes, the fuckers who actually clean the park, restock the thing, make the food, the people you never see. And they argue that McDonald's employees are a front of house. They're a cast member they, who are like, right. for, and it's like, that you're paying for an experience that they don't actually create any value, that the value is the experience and experience is valueless. Cause it's just putting on a show for you. And it's like, look, if you're sitting in the fucking drive through trying to get your McMuffin and get the hell out of there, you're not what you're getting experience. No, you're there. Cause it's the cheapest food and you need to get it, eat and then go to your proletarian work. And so what are they saying about breakdown? I find it fascinating that that to get back to that, to, I find it fascinating to get to that part of the argument where it, it, to me, that's at that, you are intentionally, unlearning what humans learned from assembly line work. Uh, The assembly line and, like, us inventing process, effectively, as a society, is one of the greatest inventions we had. You know, we were talking about capitalism going from feudalism. Well, it's not... Capitalism is what made use of the socialized production. We already were doing, you know, go to different areas all over the world at different time periods, and we're starting to figure out socializing production is good work uh, as a team divide labor up everyone does their thing pass so on in the drive through example if you only have the chef in back you don't have the manpower to serve the material need of the line of cars and then the capitalists go ah well in our immediate this week we made less money so like in that immediate of the week when if every mcdonald's and starbucks worker goes on strike immediately starbucks profits will dip that week okay fine Absolutely. They will find a way out of it to continue existing for sure, but that's not their ideal state of affairs. They have a plan for next quarter. There will be about this many people getting coffee, this many people going to McDonald's. The article linked is very fun because the conclusion at the end is not about what 
materially the McDonald's worker is providing, but based on the cost of all of the money flowing through, how much is being stolen from you as the worker? Surplus value being extracted Surplus from Surplus value. It's a wonderful, wonderful example of it. Uh, then my last one, I think, for tonight, we'll see if I'll go to these others afterwards, oh, comes from b- Before you go from McDonald's. What? So... My argument oh. with the with the service worker v proletarian, if you go to play, if when you start getting specific and actually talk about, okay, what labor does a McDonald's employee does? Because if you want to say that they're entirely service, entirely providing an experience as like a burger host, and you go to McDonald's for the experience of being in the McDonald's and the burger host and all that shit, well, even Logo is like, well, the people who stock the shelves and drive the trucks and all the and like clean the blah blah, those are the proletarians. Like, well, when I worked at Burger King. I was front of house. I would take orders. I would make the actual sandwiches. I would assemble machine. Like if they got a new thing, nobody's coming to put it together. It's just me. I would clean the thing. I would like scrape out the blah. I'd take out the guard. Like I definitely did work that no one could not call proletarian productive labor stuff that McDonald's actually definitely needs. Even if we were all replaced with a vending machine, someone would still need to do this work. So like, what percentage of my time needs to be on what kind of labor yeah. for you to give me some goddamn respect? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, this last one comes from Jesse, and my little note for myself was positive propaganda, and I say that very intentional. Uh, and it's got a couple of flyers that are seen in Washington, D.C., And they're uh, all red, white, and blue colored because, you know, uh, hooray American patriotism. What creates public safety? Transportation. Safe, reliable, free for all. Rails, not jails. Americans face some of the highest rates of traffic death in the world, but surveillance and enforcement won't make our roads safer. Instead of funneling more money into already enormous police budgets, let's spend our tax dollars to design safer streets, expand our transit network, and make public transit free for all. Reliable, diverse, and well-financed transportation options are what keep our communities mobile, healthy, and connected. What creates public safety? Health care for all. Care, not cages. Only dedicated investments into care and support of our neighbors will break the cycles of poverty and distress that prompt so much violence and conflict in our neighborhoods. We can't mend wounds with mace. We can't cure cancer with cop cars. A healthy city is a safe city. And the last one. What creates public safety? Food! Nutritious, fresh, and abundant! We can't eat pepper spray! Hunger is a violent consequence of poverty that stalks the American working class, and this killer won't be stopped by the police. In fact, neighborhoods with heavy police presence also suffer the most from nutrition inequity. We must end food deserts and build robust nutritional support programming to make sure our neighborhoods are nourished. Full bellies make healthy communities. And all of this is for defundmpd.org. Pepper, what are your thoughts on this positive propaganda? It's like asking what kind, like, how do you stop, how do you stop mass shootings in America? And if your entire thing is either more police or remove all guns, one doesn't work provably and the other one is kind of like practically impossible, at least in the U.S., yeah, if you want to start combating crime, I would argue you do the same thing for, it's going to make a, 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 fewer people will be sympathetic to this, but I would say all social issues, issues that are social, poverty, petty crime, uh, like racism, people being assholes. It's not that being poor makes you racist or makes you an asshole, but we can actually work on those issues 
once all of their necessi- all of our necessities are taken care of. It's really hard to play this like, did they do a crime because they are a criminal and bad, or did they do a crime because they needed the money to supply their basic needs? And if you have everyone's needs supplied for, you know, like through us uh, working together and making it happen, it's not like not nanny state. Everyone simply has their shit delivered to them. Like people are supplying their own basic needs through their own labor and like work in their own communities. Then it's a lot easier to weed out. Hey, this guy just keeps like fucking around. Like <laughs> this guy's just being an asshole. He's just doing crime for no reason. And then you can actually address that. Cause I mean, how many 99 times out of a hundred, when you go and get criminals off the street, they're doing it because they don't have means. They don't have food or they owe somebody money or they're in some situation or they're addicted to whatever. And like, it's very rarely, this person is just bad. So they decided to go be bad. The only way where that really regularly takes hold is uh, if you're in the ruling class. Yeah, they and do it's all even not that you're deciding to be bad; it's that you lack empathy, and the choices you're going to make, we know consistently, are going to harm others. If you get on the Lolita Express, that shit is a choice, one hundred percent. No one is economic coercing you to go rape people with Jeffrey Epstein. True, but uh, no, in all sincerity, uh, part of the whole billionaire thing is a power dynamic, and the last bastion of power dynamic, once you have all the money and power you can exercise, is basically your next move is to rape children. That's why so many of them do. (laughs) You just become bored, and you have no actual problems, and hell, even the bourgeois, they're not... Like we talk about labor alienation, they don't have labor, and I think a, 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 a <laughs> it sounds better when I say it sounds more poetic when I say a man without I don't mean literally man, you know I mean? a man without his labor is not a, like you're not a human. Like part of what makes humans humans is that we labor, we work, we make things, we make our houses, we do crafts. Since the beginning of time, we've been etching shit in cave walls. We People do call things. stoners lazy, and look at all the different ways they know how to smoke that shit. <laughs> Yeah, I'm about to drill a hole in a pineapple. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've got two more quick things. Uh, One we already talked about was uh, Amazon is acquiring a medical company. And then, uh, actually, no, we did completely talk about that. The last one is, again, a little example of what we talk about of unionizations being, not are they effective or not, of where do they fall as far as attacking the underlying systems that make us need to discuss unions to begin with. Uh, And this is about a Dave Chappelle show that was at the First Avenue, a venue, has been canceled and is moving to the Varsity Theater. To staff artists in our community, we hear you and we are sorry. We know we must hold ourselves to the highest standards and we know we let you down. We are not just a black box with people in it and we understand that First Avenue is not just a room but meaningful beyond our walls. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, Dave Chappelle was supposed to be there and the staff called out and refused to work and their workers solidarity caused an effect. And the note I wrote for it is, I like that at any given music venue, my understanding is there is an owner and the owner may or may not be involved. They might cursory glance at who's getting booked, but even they're not doing the booking, but they're the owner. And as you go down throughout any music venue, uh, it sucks more and more and more for you. So to have everyone come together and exert their will together is cool. But there's nothing talking about addressing the fact that for the next show, they go back to having no agency. They have to walk out again. They have not addressed why this situation happened to begin with. 
because the owner knows Dave Chappelle, shit or not, is probably going to pack seats and is going to draw a lot of controversy. Why wouldn't they? Pepper. We're in a weird situation where materially, like, yes, this particular venue, the workers banded together and said, we don't want this, and they got their particular venue to not have that show. What happened was the next venue over just picked up the show. The end of that thing is yep. like, if you want to get your ticket, swap to this venue, call this number, blah, blah, blah. And this, I, I don't mean to make everything about this, but all I'm thinking of. Everybody in that situation who had that, they exuded their power, but that was the power as far as their, it goes as them as service workers. Yeah. Everybody working that venue is a service worker. The only person there who was like a means of production person is Dave. <laughs> like <laughs> Chappelle himself is like, if I speak into the microphone, the <laughs> we are producing the comedy. <laughs> like, and all he has to do is just go down the street to another place with a microphone and they will continue. I mean, ugh. I'm glad it's cool for them. Hopefully they see like the value and Hey, we all wanted a thing and we all teamed up and yes. we made that I, thing happen. from the educational standpoint. Beyond- yeah. Like take that as a kernel of, but now what if it was every show you had a say? <gasps> and it seems to be this venue has a unique, like it's historic. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. It's been there like forever uh, since uh, it was a bus depot until 1968. And I was, so I assume they have, uh, that these employees have more power somehow than if it was a conventional, you're talking about like an owner employees where the owner would say, no, fuck you show up or you're fired. <laughs> like, it seems like their structure already was a, a little yeah, bit more democratic yeah. than just that. So if you live, if you work at the right kind of venue and happen to have a bunch of like same thinking employees, you can get a show moved <laughs> down the street. <laughs> just, so anyone who Just was relying sucks. on that money that weekend ain't getting it. Uh, how yeah, many of those people are working the other venue? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, how many of them just went down the street like, all right, I'll bartend like, fuck you. Dave, but I got to pay rent. <laughs> I got to pay my bills. Because that's the inverse of this. What if they let the show happen? Are we going to shit on all the, all the, all the like, roadies <laughs> that made this show happen because they needed the paycheck? Wow. Whole situation's a bummer. It is fun that that Chappelle has gone from. I say fun. That's not even the word I want. It's depressing because I, I don't we, talk we about it much. Choose to take I'm a some amusement and laugh at it instead of cry. I'm like a scholar of stand up. I used to. I was reading before I was studying Marx theory. I was studying stand up. I was reading autobiographies of blah, 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 of like freaking Steve Martin and various. I followed all kinds of like indie comics. And for all like. I definitely would have would have said, and yeah, I'd still say if you asked me a few years ago, that Dave Chappelle was like the best living stand-up. He was and for quite a now while. Now he's gone into just he's built so hard into reactionism that it's now his brand is I'm the guy who hates trans people. But it's not even well, let's let's end on this little bit. How much of it is Dave chose to go into reaction? Like, of course he has agency in it, but how much was there already not just groundwork of other people doing it but there is an entire system an entire media machine that is able to turn that outrage into butts and seats materially how is dave doing right now even if we don't think he's funny this is why you gotta have ideology dave had a bunch you can go back and look at these bits where you're like yeah man he's like a completely freaking on point and a lot of his material on race is completely on point and freaking shaped my views on race even yeah. like listening through dave Chappelle telling his bits i'm like holy shit like that's what helped me understand what we call white privilege is yes. like dave Chappelle oh, bits. Yes. That, was, that's, that was some of the early of like wait a minute 
The world oh, is not right. like this for other people. Got it. The cops don't treat us all the same. Holy shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I went from finding those bits. I rolled my eyes at those bits to being like, oh, fucking like snaps. Like, yeah, you, I know what you're talking about in this situation. And if Dave had gotten some kind of glimmer of radical ideology, if it was years ago and he like ended up in the Black Panthers or something or like was following Malcolm X or any other of these Marxist like revolutionary leaders, he wouldn't just go, I have a bunch of money now. I feel bored. Who are my problems? The poors. They cause my problem. He wouldn't be going to town hall meetings, <laughs> shooting down affordable housing and shit, getting built in his little Ohio town. He wouldn't be going on doing his, the fucking transphobia tour Mark 7. <laughs> you gotta have principles. David doesn't have principles. He has money and is like a bit smart. Uh, I, will, I will say one <laughs> asterisk to that, and this is Dave Chappelle specific, and that is, regardless of the material stuff, a thing that has been true to him and is has been his voice is a bunch of not great queer stuff. He actually has a history of that. Sure. The current climate makes grow. him leaning into the trans stuff as a, well, that's what's going on. So there's an alternate universe where that's not the centerpiece of his stage show, but I guarantee you he would still have those thoughts because it's in line with how he phrased those other things as well. It like is that, like if we were in the 60s and he was not doing material on the civil rights movement. Like, yeah. the shit, that's what's happening. And he's going to yeah. be doing those bits because that's what the discourse <laughs> yeah. is. It just happens that he's on the wrong fucking side of it because he doesn't have a principled ideology that like guides him <laughs> towards the not wrong side of it. This is how you don't end up just taking shots in the dark, people. You, you start coming down on the wrong side of history accidentally less and less if you learn history. That's what the value of Marxism is. It's not an ism in the same way that, like, Catholicism is an ism. It's an ism in a scientific sense. It is an area of study. It is stuff that you can replicate in different places through the scientific method and produce similar results. It's not just grasping at straws. It's not tarot cards. It's not tea leaves. The shit they were saying in the 1850s had enough truth in it that we are still talking about it because our system has really not changed that much. Only the technology has. Well, uh, it's been a good week. That's a good end. I like that. Nice. I feel like I said something there. You did. <laughs> I like Thank it. you all for being here. If you want to go to the CPI thing, uh, listen to a bunch of speeches by some Marxist-Leninists, and freaking Tara Reid's going to be there. Tara Reid, she's the lady who's like, so Biden sexually assaulted me, and everyone's like, la la la, we cannot hear you. <laughs> and then, it fucked up her whole life. Like She's just treated like shit by the media. She's been, oh my god, the, not that cyberbullying is the worst thing that can happen to you, but it's all happened to her. <laughs> oh yeah. It has very real effects. I was going to say Dearborn, Michigan. That's not it. No. Deerfield, Deerfield Illinois. Illinois. Uh, there are multiple ways to get there. I, there are, eh, yeah, look it up, Google Maps. Uh, there are multiple trains that'll get you there. You can drive there. It is not Chicago. To be fucking clear, as someone who just had to live through the 4th of July shooting in Highland Park and he listened to the whole fucking world go, oh my God, look at Chicago. No, like one, two reasons. One, that's not Chicago. Fucking stop. Two, that was an affluent <laughs> neighborhood. Three, that is specifically a rather Jewish neighborhood, which is in context what makes that shooting even worse. That was a white supremacist shooting. Deerfield is an affluent northwest white suburb of Illinois. It is not Chicago. Everybody, I hope you have a good week. Thank you very much for yeah. listening, and maybe we'll see you in Chicago in August. I've been Dragor. I have been Pepper. Bye! Bye.